Amen. Go ahead and get in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 3. Good to have an old friend here today. Uh, Josh Yegin, his wife, are here. I uh, had him, I don't know, 25 years ago in youth ministry, a long time ago. Lives in Tennessee now. Uh, good to have him in town and uh, with us today, 1 Peter chapter 3. We're just in the early weeks of our marriage class, and uh, this is just week five, and I have 13 weeks planned, but as I mentioned last week, we, I, I may go a couple of, of more weeks, so uh, when we're on some of these subjects, we can thoroughly cover them, and uh, we don't have much in common here other than the fact that we do have this desire to make our marriage better. Uh, people aren't in here, uh, in most cases, because their marriage is bad. Uh, people are in here because uh, they want to make their marriage better, and I always think that's a great thing. Uh, 97% of you on your survey say that you're putting a six or more effort uh, into your marriage. That's a good thing. I wish that number was higher, but uh, that's good. 23% of you say your spouse is putting in less effort than you are, and 9% of you say your spouse is putting in more effort uh, than you are, and of course, uh, all these survey things, probably in a, in a month, those numbers might be different. Life is like that. Uh, but it's, what's interesting to me about that is if you look back at the last two times I taught this class, those numbers are basically uh, about the same, which is very interesting. Um, there's obviously more uh, to having a successful marriage than just love and good intentions. I mean, everybody's got those. You walk down an aisle, uh, but uh, large percentages of marriage fail. And so, to me, uh, it's very inconsistent to believe that uh, our Creator knows what He's talking about when it comes to eternal life. When He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. But then to not believe what He has to say about life. Uh, I, I believe God knows not only what it takes for eternal life, I believe God knows what it takes for a blessed life here and now, and, and that's what we're studying. And before we get to our questions, I want to just uh, review those eight things. I just keep wanting to plant these things deeply in your mind. And uh, number one, nothing can be taken back that's been done to this point. What's done is done. Number two, all of us, uh, all we can hope to change is today and tomorrow. And they can change and be better. Number three, if you're struggling, you didn't get where you are in a day. Uh, you're not going to get out in a day or a week or a month. By the grace of God, though, you can get out. Number four, you can only change one person in any situation. And so I ask you focus on that one, uh, not just in this class, but in your life. Uh, number five, there's always hope as long as God is involved. Uh, remember, if you decided... Uh, that you never really love them uh, because God is love, get God involved. You can begin to love. If you're at the place where you say, I don't love them uh, anymore, uh, God is love, and so you can love again. If you're at the place where you've come to recognize, oh, you know what, I never really loved my spouse like I should love my spouse. Listen, get God involved. God is love. Uh, you can love more. Uh, number six, no one's destined to repeat the home in which you were raised. If it was good, uh, you can fail. Uh, no one's destined to repeat the home in which you're raised. If it was bad, uh, you can succeed. And then lastly, the person to whom you're married now is the person to whom you're supposed to be married. And I always pause here, and I just want to plant deeply in your mind. It's pretty normal at some point for you to ask the question and wonder, did I marry the right person? Uh, listen, the person you're married to is the right person. Work on that.
And so, uh, like always, before we get to our text in 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, I want to just answer some, some questions. I have lots of questions that you guys have turned in, and then I always save a couple because they're just especially applicable from the past. Question one, how do you make your spouse notice the things that you do? Uh, how can I help my spouse accept my role in the home? Uh, you cannot make your spouse do anything. Uh, what you need to do, and, and all of us need to do, is really work hard on doing more of what we do for the Lord, uh, and then how our spouse responds or fail to respond, it will um, matter uh, less. Uh, keep your spouse as much as possible around more thoughtful people. Keep your spouse as much as possible around people who are mature. Keep your spouse as much as possible and yourself in a place that's always challenging you. Remember, remember church is not a museum where, where people come because they have it all together. Church is a hospital. And it's a place where people come to get better than they are now. And we just recognize that. That's why we keep coming. Uh, and so uh, when your spouse grows more as a person, they'll be more grateful. Uh, be sure your expectations for being noticed are realistic. Let me ask you, do you notice what they do? Um, to some degree, we all reap what we sow. If you want them to notice more of what you do, uh, once you start noticing more of what they do, start sowing uh, those seeds. Uh, by the way, if you haven't, as a couple, whether it's in writing or just through verbal uh, communication, you don't kind of have divided up who's doing what around the house, uh, how does anybody ever notice or appreciate anything? Um, question number two, what should I do when my wife doesn't follow my leadership? On uh, a similar question, how do I respond when my wife doesn't trust my leadership? Uh, let me ask you a question. What would you do, what would you recommend that she do when you fail to love her unconditionally? It's really the same question. And so the answer to the question is, is you would be patient, you would pray, you would hope things would get better. Uh, all right. Uh, in the end, no one can control how someone follows their leadership. Uh, all any leader can do is control what kind of leadership you provide. And so what I would say to you is focus on providing good leadership. Uh, sow the seeds. Uh, so your children and wife see how you follow good leadership. You know, wh why would they follow your leadership as they watch you follow, refuse to follow anyone else's leadership? Uh, keep her around faithful, godly women as much as possible. Keep her in an environment where she is constantly challenged by the scriptures to become a better person. That's, those are all, all things. Listen, we're all going to have to be patient. You, you know, fulfilling the roles God designed for us in a home, you, you know, it's, it's, it's a process. It takes time to build these things into our faith and in, into our character. Uh, question number three, is it wrong to feel like you don't have enough physical time with your spouse? Um, our feelings are our feelings, and they're real. But our feelings being real doesn't make our feelings healthy, nor does it make them accurate. Uh, everybody here, including myself, have been misled by our feelings at times. And so the first thing you always need to do when you feel a certain way about something is you need to just honestly sit back and say, are my feelings in line with the facts? And if your feelings aren't in line with the facts, then you just mark them down to, hey, listen, we all have feelings that are misplaced. And if they are in line with the facts, then you have to deal uh, with the facts. Uh, 
Uh, are you spending enough time together? What are your expectations for time together? Are they realistic? And if your expectations are realistic and you're not really spending enough time together, make the effort to do that. You will always have to, on purpose, make time together. Uh, listen, whether it's kids, life, work, everything is calling, uh, church, ministry, everything is calling for your time. And you have to, on purpose, make time uh, for your spouse. Question number four, how do you get your spouse to do what both of you agreed to delegate to each person? Uh, you can't make your spouse do anything. Uh, by the way, first, I uh, commend you on getting the tasks divided up. No one appreciates what the other person does unless they know what they do. Uh, one of the reasons we made our boys uh, do their own laundry and uh, do that kind of stuff for themselves, how, how do you ever appreciate someone who does it for you if you've never done it? Uh, and, and so if you haven't divided things up, divide them up. And then it opens the door for you to appreciate what the other person is doing because you know what they're doing. And it also appreciates, uh, opens the door for you to step up and do more than the minimum. Do your part. You can't control them. Do your part. Be patient. Hey, listen, all of us have bad days. All of us have times when our circumstances and the load that we're carrying at that, at that time is just high, and we, we're, we don't do what we agreed to do. Just be patient. And, uh, but a good job in at least starting out in, in dividing things up. Question number five, what are some characteristics of a good leader as a husband? Um, I believe the most valuable characteristic in any leader is who you are. Uh, I think it's a mistake to be looking for what to do. If you are who you're supposed to be, you will do what you're supposed to do. People read leadership books to, to find out what they're supposed to do as a leader. Uh, I think you should first focus on who you are as a person. Uh, we have some of the, of the young men in here that come to my ministry leadership training. We always start them out the same way, uh, talking about who we are and, and what you're doing, what, who, you, who you are in private. And because that is the key to being a, a good leader. And so uh, start there. Um, Work to build consistency in your walk with God, consistency in your attitude, consistency in your effort, consistency in how you treat people. L listen, uh, consistency is one of the most valuable qualities in, in any leader. And when your wife uh, sees that in you, it makes it easier for her to respect you and follow your leadership. You've heard me say this before. I, I think it's terrible. If some wife just sits there and says, yeah, I know I'm hard to lead, and you're not trying to make that better. Or same thing, some guy who says, yeah, I know I'm hard to follow. You're not trying to make that better. Listen, we ought to be doing everything we can because of love and because of Christ in our life to make it as easy as possible for our spouse to do what God designed them to do. Uh, and I'll just say, be patient. You know, we all want people, we change something for the good, and then we want people just instantly to believe that we're forever going to be like that. That's not the way people are. And so be genuinely different, give it time, and you know what? Your wife will eventually trust your leadership more. Um, question number six, is my wife obligated to watch a ball game for each Hallmark movie I watch? Uh, 
This is an old question, but I, I left it in there because I really like it. It's probably tongue-in-cheek, uh, but I, I think it's good to watch some of the same television programs if you're television watchers. I also think it's okay to watch uh, some stuff, um, you, you know, that's, that's different. Listen, there, there's something powerful in, in common experience. You know, our culture, when there was three television stations, had common experience. Everybody watched the same shows. And it united our culture, and that's gone. And so you're going to have to do this stuff on purpose as a couple. So have some stuff you watch together. Listen, I thank God my wife doesn't like Hallmark much. I have watched a few things with her. Um, she likes to watch Say Yes to the Dress. I've watched a lot of that. Uh, she likes home improvement shows. I hate them. Um, every one of them rubs in my face that I have no skills, rubs in my face that I have no vision, uh, rubs in my face that I have no desire to improve my home whatsoever beyond what my wife wants improved. And, and I, I just, I hate them. Uh, now, I can tolerate what's at Maine Cabin Masters. Uh, I can tolerate that. At least they're not like Joanna Gaines. Well, what's your budget to do your kitchen? 50000 Ooh, I don't know if we can do that. Uh, you, you know, I, 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 I just despise it. But she loves it, and so I watch him with her. Now, uh, honestly, uh, she loves Project Runway. Uh, I hate that show, and I'm forbidden to be in the room. Um, I cannot keep my mouth shut. The examples of males in that, and, and, and I mean, just rubs my last nerve raw, and so I'm like forbidden. Um, but I, I, I do think this. I mean, we, we should have some common experiences, you know, and, and most of the time, I mean, you're not going to be able to go out to the dinner theater. You know, when you get to the end of the day, if you're not putting your kids in bed early because you're so lazy that you don't want to get them, have them up early in the morning, put them in bed early and minimally spend that time together on most evenings as a couple. Um, common experiences, it makes a big difference. Um, by the way, uh, I kind of like to watch MMA sometimes, and so some of the stuff I like is probably to her as ungodly as the Project Runway. I mean, listen, there's, truthfully, I, I, I do like to go watch a couple men go in the cage and fight, um, but, but truthfully, it's really probably not a godly part of my character or, or desires. Um, you know, and so, uh, question number seven. <laughs> How can I help my husband lead if he always waits for me to make the decision? <laughs> Uh, you need to begin by being honest with yourself. Do you become critical if he makes a decision that's different from your preference? Maybe he's afraid to decide. And it's easier for him to not decide because of you. Maybe he needs your help and patience to grow in this area of his life. Uh, listen, if you have a husband who struggles to step up you will not nag or browbeat him into being a good leader. What you have to do is you need to patiently encourage him in areas when he does step up and do something positive. And what I would say, as long as he's not doing something wrong in the eyes of God, you know, just go with things where he dis disagree. Listen, I've said this before in here. Young men are very fragile in, in their ego. 
ego. And, and they just can't take a, a lot of criticism of everything they do. And, and you really have the power to just shove him down a hole and then later uh, lament uh, that he doesn't do anything. Uh, keep him around men who are more mature. Keep him in places that challenge him uh, in his growth. Uh, listen, most men, they're very secu- insecure when they're young. Now, you might not guess it from their public bravado, uh, but they're very in- insecure. Uh, and I, as <laughs> we finish up with our questions, um, Satan is the enemy of your marriage. If uh, he can't break your marriage, he wants to keep you unhappy in it. That is not what God designed. Remember, uh, God has a way he designed uh, marriage. This is uh, unstoppable Febreze air freshener. Uh, I think we would all agree that I would be better to have my armpits smell like paradise, right, than nothing. But this is not designed to be deodorant for your body. And so if this is going to work best, and my arms are going to be most effectively deodorized, I've got to pick something that was designed to do that. And God has a way he designed your marriage. You want love from your marriage. You want respect from your marriage. You want security from your marriage. All the things you want from your marriage, God designed to be there, but you're not going to get them doing it your way. And should be in 1 Peter chapter 3 because what we're talking about is what is God's way when it comes to our roles in the home. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation uh, coupled with fear. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose Daughters ye are, as long as you do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, given honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now, we certainly could spend a whole lesson on the details of this, and that's not my point today. My point is really, uh, this is the third place We saw in Ephesians and talked about that in detail. We saw in Colossians and now Peter here in chapter 3 talks about the husband-wife relationship. Our roles have nothing to do with Paul or Peter's chauvinism. They have nothing to do with the Jewish or Roman culture of the day. They have everything to do with the way our creator designed the home. And we see in verse 1, a wife is commanded to submit to her own husband's leadership. Likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands. Uh, It's so interesting to me. In every one of these, uh, the Spirit of God goes out of his way to make sure that we understand this is not a man-woman thing. This is a husband-wife thing. uh, Her own husband. 
Uh, and by the way, uh, it's not our lesson today, but this also contains the recipe for a wife uh, winning her husband who's not interested in spiritual things. It says, if any obey not the word, that they may without the word be won by the conversation of the wife, her behavior, her attitude, her words over a long period of time. Listen, you cannot nag your husband into the faith. Uh, but your life, your walk, your attitude, your healthy fear of God uh, will influence him. And in like manner, husbands commanded to honor his wife. Verse 7, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the, weaker, uh, unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers uh, be not hindered. A uh, husband is commanded to honor his wife. Honor is to highly value, to cherish, to treat with dignity. Uh, I've often wondered and given some thought to why is a wife called the weaker vessel? Um, generally, that's not true physically. Uh, and if that were true physically about me, I'd be doing push-ups. Um, and it's certainly not true spiritually. Uh, listen, you don't have to look very far at all before you find that a, a wife is a stronger Christian, a stronger person of faith uh, and, and character than her husband. So it's not talking about that. So what is it talking about? I, I personally believe that it's linked to how easy a wife is to hurt and how difficult it is to repair her once she's been hurt. Uh, I, I think men can be hurt, but I think women are hurt more easily. I think that uh, when a woman is hurt, to have that repaired uh, is a lot more difficult than for a man when he's been hurt. Uh, more difficult to put back together, so to speak. Uh, now, that doesn't mean uh, uh, it, I'm excusing uh, a woman not trying to move forward. I'm not excusing mistreating men or implying they don't get hurt. I just think it's just much more easy for a man to carelessly hurt his wife and to wound her more deeply than he thinks. Someone asked a question in, in the past, if my kids don't respect my wife, does that mean I'm not showing her the respect he deserves? Oh, by the way, that's a good question. And the answer is not always. But somebody asking the question, are you observing your kids not treating their dad or their, husband or their mom with the respect they should? Uh, listen, the first question you ought to ask is, am I part of this problem? You know, are they watching me disrespect them to excuse them doing it? And uh, listen, kids are always going to be disrespectful. It's a part of being a kid, and it's your job to teach them not to do that and understand that you're a team. Uh, I remember when our boys were, I guess Wall was probably four or five, and he said something disrespectful to his mother, and I just went over and I grabbed him by the shirt, and so I had him, he's like this. I said, you will not disrespect your mother, and put him down, and she was angry. But it was the right thing to do. Listen, I grew up in a home where my, my dad let me disrespect my mom. And um, I'm not going to repeat. I, I'm going to take what was good from my mom and dad, and there were some good things. But I'm going to be honest about the things that were not good. And so God repeated here in 1 Peter 3 his plan for our roles in the home. 
Uh, listen, you, God, remember, God designed our roles, and then he says, you pick the person to whom you're going to enter that relationship with. It's not we pick the person and we pick the role. God picked the role, and he said, you pick the person into, with whom you're going to have this relationship with. I one time had a lady, why her husband uh, didn't listen to her when she quoted the Bible to him. Um, the answer to that we just read is a wife's primary influence over her husband is going to be her behavior, her attitude, a meek and quiet spirit. Um, listen. Uh, though I believe everybody ought to be sensitive to the Bible, uh, I, I think by and large in the husband-wife relationship, uh, the way we treat one another uh, is far more uh, influential. I, l listen, I'm a preacher. I, I believe our behavior should be shaped by the Bible. But, but I don't quote the Bible to my wife. Uh, at least not for decades. Didn't work. Well, if she quoted to me, it wouldn't work either. I'm not being critical of her. Listen, most of the problems in my marriage haven't been her. They've been me. And so we began then uh, last week practically applying these principles uh, for filling these roles. Uh, we uh, talked about a couple of things uh, for guys. I have areas you're assigned by strengths. Number two, take it upon yourself to make your wife feel special and loved. Here's the third thing for a guy to practically provide better leadership and love your wife. Here's number three. Look out for the best interests of your wife and family as you make decisions. Listen, your wife is going to know whether your extra money you went to buy some gun or some tool or whether you used it on something in the family's best interest. She ought to believe from your track record that you want what God wants for her and you want what God wants for your family. Third thing for the wife, we talked about, say as few negative things as possible about his leadership, especially when he's young. We talked about remember that he can only lead your home if you let him. And number three, quit trying to control him in subtle ways. Listen, there are a lot of subtle ways people try to control their spouse. In case you hadn't noticed, there are some people, they try to control the situation with their anger because that's how they got their way when they were growing up. Quit trying to control them in subtle ways. Sometimes wives do this by withholding affection. Other times by bad attitudes and mood swings. And I said this before, if you tear your husband down and you try to control him and you win, you didn't help yourself. You tear him down, you control him, you just took something God intended for your good. Here's a fourth way for a husband to practically uh, provide better leadership and love your wife. Here's number four, give your wife veto power over major decisions. You ought to always seek, listen to, and consider her strong objections. By the way, and it's also okay for her to not care. Uh, sometimes, and, and some women are more like that. Hey, you know what, I don't care, do what you want. There's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, brother, especially if you have a wife like that, you ought to always ask. Here, here's, here's how you know. If you're pretty much always doing what she thinks, she's leading your home. If, on the other hand, you're never, almost never doing what she thinks, you're not loving her enough. Most decisions, not all, most decisions can be made a couple different ways. 
And when you can make them her way, you ought to do some of that. Um, years ago now, uh, I mean, I felt in my heart that God was calling me to Fairfield to start a church. Uh, I talked to her privately about it, and I uh, talked to her about what that would mean. I said, listen, probably means we're going to have to sell our house and live in an apartment. Uh, it, it probably means uh, who knows how much income we'll have. I don't know how it's going to go, but that's what it's going to mean. I said, but I will not do this until you tell me it's okay. Uh, that probably took six months, maybe. And I didn't ask her every week. I maybe asked her every month or two. And one time I asked her, I said, are, are you okay with us doing that? She said, I am. I, I resigned the next day. I put in my two-week notice and began making plans to start Bible Baptist Church. Hey, hey, listen. Whatever you do, you're in it together. And you're far better to do something a few months later and be together on it than you are to quickly do something and say, hey, listen, I'm the man here. You're far better to almost never do that. Uh, practical ways for a wife to uh, submit to and reverence her own husband. Uh, number four, be careful giving your opinion after he's decided what to do. Uh, listen, I'm not implying after something happens you shouldn't talk respectfully about it. Uh, but listen, every decision almost that you make is 20-20 uh, hindsight. Almost every decision you make, you don't have all the facts and you have to make a decision. And so if you're really, really critical of, of everything after it because new information comes in, you, you know, listen, you're not going to help him. Uh, someone turned in the question, how do I keep quiet after my husband makes a bad decision even after I give my opinion? Um, first off, the less you give your opinion, the more it will matter when you give your opinion. If you have an opinion over every single thing he does, it's not going to mean much. If for the most part you're, hey, I'm okay either way, when you give your opinion, it's going to matter. Uh, listen, uh, you should be seeking wise counsel for major decisions from the start. Uh, if you have that habit as a couple, uh, l listen, bad decisions don't stand the light of wise counsel very well. Pretty much you can mark it down if the husband or the wife are unwilling to get any wise counsel on it, one or the other person, they don't really want to know what they should do. This one do what they want to do. Always express strong objections if you have them. Uh, listen, ladies, your husband, if you have a genuinely strong objection, your husband should hear that. You, 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 you owe that to him. And by the way, anybody, any male who's trying to be a good leader, he wants to know about your strong objections. He can't stand all your opinions. He's not strong enough for that. But he needs to hear your strong objections. Um, <laughs> practical advice for husbands and wives as we fill our roles. Here's number one. Remember that being good at these is a gradual process. Please... Stop lamenting how your husband in your, his young 20s or your wife in her young 20s, you know, is working through these. They take time. Uh, go back into Proverbs chapter 11. 
practical ways for husbands and wives to fill these things. I had several others for the individuals, but I'm out of time. And um, I will say this while you're turning there. Giving each other time and space is good. There's, an unkind, there, there's a kind of unhealthy jealousy that doesn't want your spouse to have any relationships with other guys or with his parents or, or spiritual leaders or anything like that. Uh, listen, um, same thing with, with your wife. I want my wife to have relationships with other good women. I want my wife to do things. Listen, you ought to want your spouse to do things, starting off with the fact it makes them more interesting. Um, number two, get outside counsel before things get too bad in your relationship. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, Where no counsel is, the people fall, and the multitude of counselors, there's safety. If I was making one observation about people that have trouble in their marriage, it would be this. They were too proud when things were a little bad, but not getting better, to get help. And so things got worse and worse and worse and made it harder to fix. Um, get outside help. Uh, agree on someone that both of you trust with personal information. Now, if I married you and did your premarital counseling, one of the things that I ask every couple to do is to agree on someone for that person to be able to talk to. Listen, uh, you said, talk, I talk to God. Good for you. You should. But sometimes we need someone with skin on them. And every lady needs some female uh, and every guy needs a guy that they can uh, talk to that your spouse is tr confident and okay with you talking to. Uh, unfortunately, 36% of you have agreed on someone to talk to in, in difficulties. Listen, that's unwise. I mean, one of the things you ought to do as a result of this morning is you ought to go home and have a conversation and say, okay, who is it that you're okay with me talking to? 95% of the time, uh, guys and girls, that is not your mother. Very few people are comfortable with their mother-in-law knowing their private information. Now, there are a few cases people are all right with that. But you need somebody to talk to where you're not violating your spouse's trust. In your surveys, 26% of you said one or the other of you had violated your trust in talking to someone who didn't really need to know when you had a fight. And I want to say that 26% is low because they just don't, you just don't know when they talk to somebody. Agree in someone you both trust. Here's number three. Uh, be a united front in front of your children. And the details are in our parenting class. But listen, you need to support and defend one another as you work through the difficulties and frailties of humanity. Listen, uh, husband, you should use your strength and authority to build up your role and your wife's role and role of womanhood in the minds of your sons and daughters. A wife should use her submission and heart for the home to build up her husband in the role of manhood the minds of your children. And for those of you who've been through divorce, listen, uh, this is especially important and especially difficult because some exes are real jerkwads. Number five, uh, make God a priority in your life. You say, I, I hope one of the things you hear from me all the time in, in this is that Christ being in the 
forefront of your life, your heart, your mind. Christ is not just something you put on for an hour or two on, on Sunday. Uh, Christ and the things he's taught being a real part of your day-to-day -day life, it is essential in your relationship. And lastly, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12. Hatred stirreth up strife, but love covereth all sins. Here's the last thing. Work very hard at becoming a good forgiver. Uh, I've met with people struggling in their marriage, and they literally had a list of offenses that their spouse had committed against them. They literally had a list. You suppose having that list is going to help you forgive or hinder it? You suppose having that list is going to help you move on or hinder it? Uh, listen, uh, the offenses, w when you join two lives, th there's just stuff that's going to happen. I'm not excusing it, but we, just, we need to learn to forgive and to move on, starting with our own home. Uh, I'm glad that, that Sharon has uh, forgiven me for a lot of my failures, especially in the early years of our marriage. Uh, the early years of our marriage, uh, I, like, did no masculine things around the house. Uh, she hung the pictures. She hung the shelves. And she, she, she did all that stuff. And I come under conviction at one point when our boys were young, and I thought, what, what is it? My boys are watching my wife do all of this. Uh, something's wrong here. What was wrong was me. And... Some of the projects I did at, around home, they were shoddy work. And years later, uh, she's still not fully over that. She's working on it, I hope. But listen, we've got to become good forgivers. It's so essential that we forgive one another for Christ's sake. I'm done. Next Sunday, we'll talk about communication. And uh, I know no one here has any communication problems, so... Um, Fill out something on that paper, uh, something, uh, anything, a smiley face, a snide remark, whatever floats your boat, and fold it in half and stick it in the box up here. Thank you. You're dismissed.